I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to a brand new Nerd Alert. This week, we are taking a dive into the shadowy world of criminals and masterminds and villain, villainy and, and darkness and and vengeance music reimaginings and dare i say it bat nipples that's right this week oh yeah oh we're going there we're gonna go there this week (sighs) the doc and i will be taking a stroll through the cinematic world of the dark knight uh this is state of the franchise batman um, and I, I, you've heard him, but I will formally introduce my co-host for this, the other part of my dynamic duo. We can fight over who's who later. It's the doc. Uh, so I wanted to share something because we're talking about Batman today. Uh, yeah. A sixth grader said today in class. Oh, boy. Uh, they were working. Or no, it was yesterday. It was yesterday, a sixth grader. Uh, and they know I'm a nerd because I have movie posters in my room and... Uh, I was giving them this kid a hard time because I like to mess around with them sometimes. They're fun. They can be fun sometimes. And um, I was he was like doing crossovers and he said that um, Batman and Superman teamed up to kill Iron Man. And I was like, I was like, wait, didn't Batman and Superman fight each other? And he goes, yeah, they fought after they killed Iron Man. And I was like, oh. And then I said, all right, so what happened between Batman and Superman? And he said, Batman killed Superman. And I was like, oh, well, that's pretty dark. And I was like, okay, so then what happened to Batman? And this is a sixth grader, okay? Okay. And I probably shouldn't have laughed about this, but it was hilarious. Uh, I laughed about it a lot later. I said, what happened to Batman? And he said, he killed himself because he was depressed about his dead parents. (laughs) All righty then. Uh, so we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Um, we're going to try to keep it as slim as we can. Uh, so we're going to limit ourselves to only Batman movies. And I'm even going to go a step further and say, yes, I know there are some of you who are ready to go with your, uh, actually, you know, comments. We're not covering the Batman serials from the forties. We're not covering the 66 Adam West movie 
which I think was actually made in 67 uh, between the seasons of the TV show. We're not covering that. I know it was shot as a movie. It was released theatrically. It's called Batman, the movie. But we're, we're not we're not doing that. Uh, we'll talk some Adam West stuff down the road. The Batman cinematic universe really starts. If you really sit down and look at the modern interpretation of Batman on film, it really starts with Superman, the motion picture in 1978. Oh, did I zig? Did I zig? You thought I was going to zag? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Hear me out. Like all things Batman, you have to thank Superman first. Yeah, I said it. Come at me, Batman fans. Uh, Batman was created holy because superman had been such a huge success dc comics is like hey give us something else this batman thing is doing good give us something else so batman was created to be the opposite the foil of superman superman has lots of cool powers batman has none superman dresses red and blue batman's all in black he's the detective he was he was meant to be a not like a not a villain but like an, an opposite to Superman. We're not going to do the exact same thing Superman does. We're not just going to make another guy with a cape and superpowers because everyone else tried doing that and it, it didn't work. We're not still talking about, you know, Bullet Man and whatnot. Uh, so so Batman was created not in a void. It was created in a world where Superman was already hugely popular. And the same is said for Batman movies. Superman the Motion Picture, 1978. Richard Donner gave us Christopher Reeve as Superman, still the gold standard of superhero movies. It, it ushered in that movie, ushered in a whole new era of superhero movies for two main reasons. Number one, it took the subject matter seriously. Richard Donner were talking, you can look at interviews. When he came on board the movie, the script that was in place was very tongue-in-cheek, very cheesy, very corny, very kind of making fun of itself. And he threw it right the F out. He said, no, no, we're not doing this. It's okay to make jokes. It's okay to have fun. It's not okay to laugh at Superman. We're not doing this as a weird, quirky comedy. You've got to take the subject matter seriously. We're going to do this as a great Shakespearean biblical storyline because Jesus or Superman and Jesus are very much kind of, you know, the same allegorical character. He shows up as a child. He, you see him a little bit when he's a teenager. He shows back up in his mid-30s ready to save the world. That's Superman. That's, that's not an accident. The other thing. Superman the motion picture had the budget to pull off the subject matter. The tagline for the film was, you will believe a man can fly. And that wasn't just a tagline. That was a promise to the fans. You will believe a man can fly. We're not going to chintz on this. We're going to make Superman. We're going to take Superman seriously, take the subject matter of Superman seriously, and we're going to have the budget to back it up. Excuse me. Beers okay so good push good push. Yeah, those are <laughs> that was well brought up too bad i wasn't there are those two <laughs> reasons take the subject matter seriously have a budget to pull it off if you look at the superman franchise over time when it falls apart is when those start to slip away uh with superman 2 the theatrical version anyway richard donner gets replaced by richard lester because he had a falling out with the producers Richard Lester was a guy who was much more at home with comedy and slapstick. So his version of Superman 2, you get a lot more as comedy and slapstick. To the part where you get to Superman 3, where it becomes a Richard Pryor comedy kind of couched in a Superman movie. It's weird. Uh, comedy starts to become the primary focus. 
we start to lose sight of taking the subject matter seriously. Then we get to Superman Part 4, Quest for Peace, made by Golan Globus over at Canon, the guys who are notorious for raising a whole bunch of money to make movie A and then using that money to make movie A, B, and C and hoping one of those does well enough we can fund movies D, E, and F, which is exactly what happened. They raised a bunch of money to make Superman 4. They split that between Superman and Masters of the Universe and probably a couple other movies. And as a result, the budget for Superman 4 got slashed. So you get effects that look terrible, even at the time. Uh, They were not up to the standards. We've lost sight of take the subject matter seriously, and we lost the budget to pull it off. That that sounds remarkably similar. The franchise is pretty much dead. It sounds remarkably similar to something else. We're... What are you talking about? <laughs> Willis? Willis? Boy, that sounds crazily familiar. Okay. You know? Okay. All right. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're hinting at, but okay. That the third and fourth ones are, are terrible? Oh, yeah. I'll, we'll get to that. Don't worry. We'll get to oh. that. That's why I'm setting the framework. See, I'm building the foundation here. So, and the reason I bring all that up is because you look at that format and, and that is even till to, 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 to take two, even into today, those two caveats, take the subject matter seriously, have the budget to pull off the character. Those are still two very big pillars to build a good superhero movie on. But that being said, that is the stage. That is the worldview of superhero movies coming into the summer of 1989 when we got Batman. I'm Batman. Jay, we were four and a half, five years old. I'm Batman. What were your memories of Batman that summer? Jesus. What? No, I don't even. I got nothing on that. The, I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to say this. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Strap yeah. into your chair because you're going to be blown away when I tell you this. All right. I'm holding on. I'm pretty sure the first Batman movie I saw was Batman Forever. Well, you did it wrong. <laughs> this is, that is, have you not heard me say anything else from any of the other franchises we've talked about? I always do it wrong. Okay. I didn't know What's a up? new hope existed until I was like 16. Oh. oh, it's okay. Well, all right. You've seen it now. Thoughts on Batman 89? Um, a little surprising for Bruce Wayne Batman, uh, Michael Keaton. Um, you're a little taken aback at first, but he really pulls it off. Like, he does a great job as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's interesting, uh, it's a very well-known story nowadays, but uh, again, so Superman franchise has in the span of just under 10 years killed itself off. And you hear Warner brothers is, is getting ready to do a Batman treatment and you're like, Oh, okay. And and then you hear rumors of, well, they might want to do it as a comedy. They, they tried to hire Ivan Reitman, the guy who did, you know, ghostbusters. And he said, no. And they may or may not have tried to hire Bill Murray to be Batman. And then you hear stuff like, Oh, they hired Tim Burton to direct it. And you're like, who the fuck is Tim Burton? Because nowadays right. Tim Burton, you know, is a genre of his own. But back then, the only movies he'd done, uh, big like, movies he'd done besides shorts, were Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice. Yeah. Which are comedies. So like, okay, well, I'm a little worried now. 
who's going to play Batman? Oh, Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Oh, oh. what's the comedic Keaton actor? Done? Yeah, what's he done prior to that? Mr. Mom, Johnny Dangerously, and Beetlejuice. Uh, yeah, you have all the reason in the world to be a little worried. Uh, so it's, I think it's a lot like of, when yeah. they. It's like when they hired um, Bruce Willis to do Die Hard. Yeah, and people only knew him for Moonlighting. Yeah, and you're like, uh, no, what? Huh? <laughs> Action? Wait, dance? I'm confused. Was he? I'm confused. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but like no, you I, said, yeah. they fully, fully pulled off what is still one of the best comic book adaptations of a character ever. Um, we could spend a whole show just talking about this one movie. Um, yeah, but it's it's a watershed moment for superhero movies, just like Superman the motion picture was. It it showed, and again, it goes back to they completely nailed the character. It's dark, um, but not without humor. It's um, violent, but not gory. You've got. I don't think people expected Michael Keaton to be able to handle drama. And and to be able to, I mean, there's there's scenes in that movie of just no dialogue at all, just him sitting at the back computer, looking at pictures of Jack Napier, and he says more with an eyebrow raise than some actors can with a whole monologue. Like he just yeah. nailed it. I was just gonna reference that scene too, where he like he does understand the character that this he's Batman before he's Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is the costume. Yes. Batman is the person. And like when he's sitting in the Batcave researching, wearing those glasses, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like he's wearing like a turtleneck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, like, it's a cave. It's cold, you know? Yeah. He's just sitting there like researching and doing all this detective work. And you're just like, yeah, this guy's Batman. Like, he is Batman. You ask Michael Keaton, he'll tell you, I'm Batman. Like, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah. They always ask him about, like, hey, did you hear so and so is going to play a Batman ad? It's like, oh, that's cool. Do you feel jealous about that at all? No, no, I'm very secure in the fact that I'm Batman. Like, yeah, no. no, no. Uh, it, it, going back to what you brought up, the whole uh, Bruce Wayne is is the, the mask thing. Um, the scene towards the beginning when Bruce Wayne's having the big party at his, his mansion, uh, it's, it's a fundraiser for City Hall or something. Um, just the way he plays Bruce Wayne, even though it's a giant mansion, but Bruce Wayne, even though he's lived there his whole life, feels very uncomfortable in his own home. Like, he doesn't know where certain things are. He's like, oh, yeah, it's on the left, I think. Uh, he has dinner with Vicky Vale. I was like, oh, actually, I don't think I've ever been in this room before. Uh, you know, with that dinner with the huge table and whatnot. Like, yeah. he, 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 even in his own home, which he's grown up in, he doesn't feel comfortable. But you put him in the cave... He's good. Yep. Um, uh, he knew. Yeah. And and I, I might be jumping the gun, go no, switching go for from Keaton, but we also probably get the one of the best um, villains to go against your main character. One of the best protagonists portrayed in a movie, and it 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 has only been like equaled once in the rest of cinema with this character. And that was Jack Nicholson as well. We could do a whole show breaking down jokers, but Nicholson had a Nicholson and, and the script uh, had a really interesting take on the Joker and one that has kind of 
permanently defined this interpretation of Joker. Um, because in this version, we know who Joker is to start with. He's Jack Napier. He's an enforcer for a, a mob boss. And in that yeah. mold of like the gangster Joker, he's he's it. Yes. And he, he manages to, and this is saying something like he, the makeup for Joker could have been terrible. And I'll even go out and say, if you watch the movie in like HD now, there it, there are still some scenes that are kind of hard to watch with that makeup because it was never meant to be seen in, in HD. It was made for film in 89, uh, where you have some of those softer edges. Uh, but there, are, even with that makeup applied, uh, Nicholson gives such a haunting performance. Uh, a man who is just so gleefully malevolent. Uh, he... He's intimidating as hell just because he's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And he's got that intensity. But you add the whole mentality of the Joker of someone who's had everything taken away and has nothing left to lose. And it makes the character he's he's jovial, but he's also terrifying. Yeah. He uh yeah. <laughs> I just yes, I think of the scene where he electrocutes the guy at the table. Yeah. <laughs> like Oh shit. Like that's that's for real. Um yeah, just I think everybody in this movie was on point with their acting. Like there isn't anybody who really drops the ball. You know what I mean? Like it's no. uh, yeah. Ah, uh, so good. It's it, even in like so Megan had never seen it and we watched it and she's like, "Wow, that was actually really good." Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of characters, there is one thing I want to point out about this movie, um, because to in, to my opinion, and, and I'll go on the record to say Batman 89 is still my favorite Batman movie of all time. Uh, it's right up there with like Spider-Man 2 uh, and Superman the Motion Picture as greatest comic book movies ever made, uh, greatest superhero movies ever made one thing that puts this just above everyone else, because there are, there are movies that have better action and arguably better versions of some of these characters and cooler bat suits and things like that. But one thing this movie nails that I think every other movie fails on in some way or another is Gotham city. The Gotham city in this movie is real enough that I believe it's a city that could exist, yeah. but heightened enough that it feels just like Gotham City. Uh, it feels like the city from a comic book come to life. The the, the Art Deco design to all the buildings and, and stuff, the, the, the aesthetic of Gotham City in this movie feels like a comic book on screen. And every other movie, even Batman Returns, which we'll get to in just a second, fail on that delivering a real fully realized Gotham city. Uh, and I'm really going to take the dark Knight Nolan trilogy to task on that one too. Uh, but the Gotham city in this movie is perfect. It, it, Batman feels the Batman in this movie feels like Gotham city produced him. That they fit together. Yeah. Yeah. That makes For sense. sure. Yes. Um, and then one last thing I have to talk about with this movie is greatest Batmobile of all time. Fight. Uh, yes. Yes. 
Um, Come at me. Come at me, bro. This is the best Batmobile ever. I don't want to jump the gun and say anything, but um, I am excited to see the Batmobile in the newest movie. Uh, We'll get to that. But anyway, so Batman Returneth. It came out. It made all the money. It was the number one movie of 1989, grossing $411 million worldwide. Currently has a Rotten Tomatoes critic rating of 71% and an audience rating of 84%. The hell's wrong with you people? 71%? That's criminal. From the critics. Yeah, the critics. That's criminal. Granted, in 1989, uh, the critics are never super nice to comic book movies. They've come around a lot more because, you know, they dominate the, the box office now. But... 71 and 89, not a bad score for a Batman movie. For for a character that, up until this point, in the mind of the public, was still Adam West, zap, pow, wham, cheesy, corny, campy. Yeah. 71's not bad. Right. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, made all the money in the world. It, it proved that Tim Burton knew what he was doing. And, and, and you know, all, all the naysayers were silenced immediately because it was, it was fantastic. It was exactly what fans of the character wanted to see the character. Uh, just as in the comics, they've been trying to fight against the Adam West sort of version of the character for years and trying to make, take Batman sort of back to basics, back to formula. This movie did that in spades. Fast forward, 1992, Batman Returns. But where'd he go? Um, nowhere, apparently. He just sat in that one room in Wayne Manor waiting for the bat signal to turn on. Which is an amazing sense. shot, but you watch it now and you're like, so does he just sit in dark rooms when he, like, he doesn't have like a business meeting or just sits there waiting for the light to come on? Like he really has <laughs> no life outside of being Batman, does he? Okay. No, no social existence uh, yes the movie that gave us the bat the cat and the penguin uh, yeah jay tell me about batman returns it's not terrible <laughs> wow that in and of itself is a hot take bro <laughs> i see okay i have a problem with comic book movies when they do a certain thing okay and that thing is when you start involving more than one antagonist. So you're not a fan of the multiple villains per movie thing? No. So like okay. I I don't I don't hate the penguin and catwoman and I don't know if you can say catwoman is an antagonist. She's just not a protagonist. She's she's on her own side. Yes. And but once you start involving more than one, I guess, criminal sort of thing, Antony, some villain, you kind of lose track of what's going on and you have to split storylines. And I think it hurts films in that way. And to be honest, Batman Returns is the movie I've probably seen the least out of all the Batman movies. Um you bring up a, uh, uh, an issue a lot of people have with this film, which is that uh, Batman takes a backseat to the villains in this movie. In some cases, literally. Um, it, it, it's so it's it's a weird it's a weird kind of uh, um, cautionary tale. So what happened is the first one did gangbusters. Everyone it dominated the summer of 1989. You could not get away from Batmania. Um, I've got the Batman serial and the toy collection to prove it. Um, but 
It did so well. Warner Brothers was so happy. They wanted to bring everyone back that they could. And they basically gave Tim Burton a blank check to do whatever he wanted. They they, they wanted they just they wanted Tim Burton back so bad. They were like, hey, reinvent the characters however you want, man. We don't care. So Tim Burton really went full on Tim Burton kind of cranked to 11, especially with the Penguin, where he basically completely re- and granted Penguin never had much of a backstory in the comics, but he completely reinvented the character in the image of a Tim Burton character. And we get Danny DeVito making sexual innuendo in a kid's movie and biting people's noses off when he's not eating uh, hash, raw fish. Hashtag Pee Wee Herman makes an appearance. Um, <laughs> Father of the Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of, it's just such a weird movie because it is so Tim Burton-y. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you think about it, you're like, okay, this and Edward Scissorhands could like hold hands and frolic through the land yes. of Halloween Town, you know. But it's like, also Christmas for some reason, yeah. Yeah, like, it, yeah, yes. I think and, there's some and, great moments in Batman Returns, and as a whole, I don't hate the movie. I prefer the first one. Because, uh, again, I, I agree with your assessment that in this one, and, and it's, it's, I'm not saying the movie's bad because of it, but Batman definitely takes a back seat because we've got to get Catwoman's origin out. Of, we've got to get Penguin's origin out. We've got to do what's his plot to take over the city. Uh, things get kind of weird at the end. I mean, Batman fighting Joker in a bell tower. Cool. I'm on board for that. Batman hacking an army of penguins with mini rocket launchers strapped to their back in Gotham Square. <laughs> right. Um, as much as <laughs> Just... people give the next couple movies uh, shit for being campy and over the top, need I remind you, the darkest Batman movie has a plot where an army of radio-controlled penguins will destroy Gotham City. Yeah. But Riddler's too over the top. Okay, got it. Right. right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Ah, and like that's I. Uh, <laughs> like again, there's, and, there's this is gonna greatness. be good. Yeah this this is gonna be another hot take too. Is okay. that like I would rather watch Batman Forever than Batman Returns. You know what, dude? I I I would not argue with you because I'm about to seriously defend Batman Forever in a minute. Um, and by the way, probably like thirty seconds. Um, yeah. But Batman Returns has some great moments. Um, it's got the whole like the the cape becoming the hand glider thing, which was awesome as a kid. Um, there's a great opening sequence where he's fighting off the Red Triangle Circus gang with the Batmobile. Because um, one of the coolest things about the first movie is seeing all the cool things the Batmobile can do. And in the opening of this movie, they crank that up to 11. Oh, excuse me. Uh, there, there's some great, great moments in here. Um, and... One of the things I will say about the Tim Burton movies in general, and a thing people have come to to give him some guff about, Tim Burton understands that Batman is a a man of action. Batman comes out when talking is done and someone needs to take a stand and do something about something. So the reason you don't see Batman standing around monologuing in the Tim Burton movie is because Batman doesn't need to speak. Yeah, Batman comes out when it's time for action. 
Um, other movies that we'll get to later down the list have Batman monologuing, which is a little weird. Uh, you know, he does in the comics. Okay, sure, fine. Uh, but when you commit to a voice like this for Batman, and then you have him say multiple lines, it gets a little weird. Um, so one thing I will give kudos to this is, is Tim Burton understood Batman doesn't need to talk. When Batman shows yep. up, shit has already hit the fan. It's time for Batman. He doesn't need to talk. Yep. In fact, the one time he has a lot of dialogue as Batman is in this movie when he's talking to Selina, kind of trying to battle to save her soul from herself. And what does he do before he has all that dialogue? He takes the mask off or in this case, rips it off because the rubber was too thick to just fold it had ripped off. Anyway, uh, Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up as Batman? Because he is Batman, you idiot. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Max Shrek, I forgot about, uh, which is another, <laughs> another, we didn't, as if we didn't have enough villains with Catwoman and Penguin, we bring in Max Shrek, who's the real villain of the movie. Uh, it's like, okay, wow, tone it down. I, you know what, Jay, you're, 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 you're even more right than I thought you were to begin with. Cause yeah, this movie has three villains. Um, but cause yeah. it's, isn't it, isn't it, um, Christopher Walken, right? Yeah. 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 Who gives a fun performance. Um, and it's one of those like, he was the real villain the whole time. Anyway. Um, so this yeah. movie came out and critics loved it. 80% Rotten Tomato score. Audiences were a little off on this one. 73% audience score. Um, and it only brought in 266 million worldwide when the first movie did 411. So there was a disconnect with this movie somewhere. Um, and and there's the famous story of the McDonald's toys that we'll, we'll dive into a little bit because it's emblematic of, of what the next few movies are going to be like. Batman at the time and even now uh this is something that has not gone away if you think it has you're you're kidding yourself batman has always been seen as a kid friendly character kids love batman that's why batman is still around batman has always been a marketable franchisable merchandisable character uh, merchandising <clears throat> Uh, what makes Batman so wonderful to Warner Brothers isn't just that the movies make a lot of money. The toys. The toys make money. And Batman Returns had a problem. It wasn't very toyetic. Uh, sure, Batman gets some new vehicles, and we have a whole bunch of new villains. Uh, like There's three main villains, and then the whole circle, uh, red circle, triangle gang of henchmen, and, and uh, Batman gets a new suit, and, and yeah, you'd think, cool, great. Um, but it, yeah. McDonald's was doing the tie-in Happy Meal toys, um, because that's what happened in, in the 90s. Uh, you, you weren't having a big movie if McDonald's didn't have a tie-in Happy Meal toy for you. And McDonald's got a lot of flack from parents about, uh, well, you know, Timmy wanted to see, go see the new Batman movie. So yeah, after he got that uh, penguin riding a giant rubber ducky toy in his Happy Meal, we went to go see that. And then uh, that their penguin there, uh, he sure did bite that guy's nose off right in front of my kid and uh, uh, use a lot of sexual innuendo and uh, sure did try to get into Catwoman's pants. And uh, I'm not sure that was really appropriate for little Johnny. Um. Yeah, this movie kind of got Warner Brothers some flack um, for not being very kid-friendly. So when time came to roll on another Batman movie, 
Um, Let's just uh, shift gears. Hi, well, just shift yeah. her. Shift, shift her hard. Let's shift her real hard. Tim Burton was originally uh, initially very excited. He had a great time making Batman Returns, and and, and he actually kind of came back. Uh, you know, from one to two, they kind of had to talk him back into it. Uh, from two into three, he was ready to go, and he only after a few meetings kind of caught on that. Oh, you don't want me to make another Batman movie, do you? <laughs> And Warner was like, oh, we didn't say that. But if you don't want to, you know, no hard feelings. We'll keep you on as a producer. Listen, we we know a guy, his name's Joel. Joel Schumacher. They they did not want him to come back. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we transitioned to Batman Forever in 1995, where Joel Schumacher takes over. And because of all those changes behind the scenes, we get almost an entire new cast. And one thing I will credit for is a lot of the supporting cast, uh, Commissioner Gordon, Alfred, stick around, which helps transition that uh, because we now get Val Kilmer as Batman. And uh, uh, Jay? Uh, uh, yeah. I'm just going to, yeah, I was just going to hit pause for a second, okay? okay. Hit pause. I don't, I don't hate Val Kilmer as Batman. I don't either. I don't either. I don't hate him. I just don't think he understood the assignment of bruce wayne versus batman you know what i mean See, i i disagreed on that one i Do think you? he fully understood the assignment okay yes so so this movie gets an unfair reputation because it's so closely connected with the next movie we'll get to batman and robin yeah and there's yeah. so much hate for batman and robin and we'll get to that that it spills over onto batman forever and it's unfairly so because if Batman and Robin is is the cheesiness cranked up to eleven, Batman Forever's cheese is only like a seven or an eight. Uh, I, it, it is. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I I agree one hundred percent that it's unfair what people say about Batman Forever is is it campy? Oh hell yeah! You betcha. Are they are they out to sell toys? Uh, yes, yes. They were yes. There's a lot of toy type things in this movie um i owned a lot of them but uh <laughs> it it is a fun movie like it is yeah the the assignment was lighten it up kids are coming to see these movies you can't do something so over the top so gruesome so violent kids can't see it and joel schumacher understood that assignment the color palette of the movies have shifted entirely and you might not like it and that's fine uh, there's a lot more neon in this version of Gotham. Um, there's a lot less dark and shadowy stuff, but you still get a storyline that's pretty complex. It dives oh, yeah. into the inner psychology of Bruce Wayne and and the cost that being Batman has, or, or sorry, the price of being Batman has cost him and what he's had to give up because he's faced with uh, this this scenario of of sort of. Uh, repressed memories coming back to the surface and we go back into sort of his initial choice to become Batman a bit. Uh, it, it, again, for all the, yes, yes, it has Jim Carrey in skin tight spandex, full on 1966 Adam West style Riddler, uh, throwing bombs and grabbing his crotch. And it, it, it has that as Tommy Lee Jones would say, uh, unsanctioned buffoonery. Yeah, it has that. It has that. I can't ever take that away from the movie. Uh, but there's also 
moments where you you get uh, Jim Carrey's Riddler where he's not wearing the spandex and, and goofing off uh, and, and being, you know, the mask without the mask of him being a little more subtle and subdued and creepy as fuck. Uh, the Riddler's creepy as fuck in the whole first half of this movie. He's got this weird, like, serial killer who's one bad day away from killing his first person kind of vibe to him. Like, yep. He's socially very unadjusted and detached, and and his focus is all on Bruce Wayne, uh, and it's it's a little unnerving. Now, granted, later in the film they crank that up to eleven because we got to make it safe for kids. Um, you also get Tommy Lee Jones. Oh yeah, being kind of I mean the makeup for Two Face it's not as gruesome as it could have been, but it's still kind of jarring if you're a kid. Um, awesome sweet like I. I thought it was really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, his sort of like repressed right at the surface anger <laughs> that comes out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just that flashes every once in a while. Well, and he, he played it like the two halves of Harvey were two different personalities. Yes. And he, he, he'd change his tone and cadence a little bit and sort of in granted. Yeah. It, it's kind of cheesy. Uh, but when Bad Harv was taken over, he would turn that side to camera a bit and, and kind of deepen his voice a little bit or gravelly up his voice a little bit versus regular Harv, um, which some people might not like, but it it, it served well. Um, and you can't can't discredit. We're not going to talk about it on the show, but between these movies, Batman, the animated series had come out. So yes. kids already kind of had an idea of who Two-Face was because of the cartoon show. And I think he does a great job of a live action version of that character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, also, I want to say there's three great there's three great things I want to say about this movie. OK. Chris O'Donnell. Yep. Let's just get into that. Oh, God. He he adds something to this movie that just wouldn't be there if it was just Batman. As a kid in 1995, I could not wait to see Robin on the big screen. Yes. This this is the Batman and Robin movie we all wanted. <laughs> yep. I don't know what that abomination was they made after it, but this this was the Batman and Robin movie that I like. Um uh... He's great in the in the role, and they wrote the character very, very well. Um, his origin is straight from the comics. They aged him up a bit, which I'm fine with. I don't think anyone really has a problem with, with him being, I think he's supposed to be more high school age, maybe college age, um, versus you know being a 12-year-old. I don't think anyone's mad about that. Um, I think he did a great job with what he was given to do, and the suit looks awesome. Um, also fight me on it uh also i want to throw out yes that there's one line of dialogue in this movie (laughs) just just about to come to that okay there's one line of dialogue in this movie for me anyway (laughs) you want to say it on three that (laughs) that uh, no no i we might be thinking about different things okay uh i don't know maybe but there's one thing that Bruce Wayne says that I went, oh my God, connected universe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Different lines. Okay. Go ahead. When he says the circus must be halfway to Metropolis by now. 
and you're just like, wait, what? Metropolis? I know that. Superman? Same same universe? They exist together? Oh my god! Because like you know, little kid me head yep. exploded. Like you recognize the fact that Metropolis and Gotham are in the same universe. Like the kids nowadays with your connected universes have no idea how huge that line of dialogue was. And and they follow that up in the next movie, uh, where where they have an even more kind of on the nose one where uh Bruce Wayne a- after uh, Batgirl joins the team, uh kind of looks to camera and goes, This is why Superman works alone. Like, oh, they do exist. Yes. But this one th- that one was kind of like tongue in cheek. Ho ho ho. This one was like just normal conversation, you know. Circus must be halfway to Metropolis by now, and you're like, "What? Who Metropolis?" Yeah. Anyway, uh, I bet I know which one the other one is that you're thinking of. It is my favorite line of this entire movie because you had to address it somewhere, and they did it in the best way possible. Uh, <laughs> you get a great exclamation, uh, and in props to you, Chris O'Donnell, for nailing the alliteration. Holy rusted metal, Batman! What? This this rock, it's made of metal. It's rusted and full of holes. You know, holy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, now, young kid version of, of the doc didn't quite understand that until uh, I was older and got into the more campy, like, understanding. See, uh, I had the 60s I was, TV show. I was fortunate enough to have uh, Nancy Peacock as my mother. Uh, and I'll say that a lot about a lot of different topics. Um, but she grew up watching the Adam West show and loved it. And uh, one night, uh, it was Nick at night. Remember like when Nickelodeon would transfer yep. over to like old TV shows at nighttime because like the kids are asleep. So who's still awake? Well, their parents are. We'll play yep. shit the parents will watch. Nick at night started rerunning Batman. And it came on one night, and my mom from downstairs started shouting to me. I was already supposed to be asleep. She knew I wasn't, uh, but I thought I was in trouble. I'm thinking, like, crap, did I leave something out? Did I forget to do something? She's shouting my name. Am I in trouble? She comes in my room, shakes me awake, even though we both know I was awake the whole time. Says, come here, you got to watch this. It was Batman Adam West. Um, so I got away with staying up past bedtime on, I forget, like Thursday nights or whatever, so I could watch, uh, a, a doubleheader of Batman Adam West. Um, nice. Yeah. So that was my, first of all, my introduction to the character of Batman was Adam West, um, which might explain why I am the way I am. Uh, and my introduction <laughs> <laughs> to the genre of superheroes um was from that so anytime my mom gets frustrated about uh you know me asking her to sew something for a superhero costume i just can say well mom you started this i was asleep in my room i wasn't asleep i was in my room and you got me awake and showed me batman you started this um but yeah no so as as someone who was familiar with the holy batman thing that line was just like that that's it take my money this is awesome yeah that line cracks me up now because, like, I know better. <clears throat> but yeah. yes, his delivery was on point. Holy rusted metal, yeah. metal Batman! Uh, but no, uh, I, I think again, this movie gets a lot of unfair spillover from the hatred of the next movie we're about to talk about, Batman Forever. If you haven't watched it in a while, give it another watch. Honestly, it is a very, oh. very good Batman movie. Good. Also, yeah. side note, uh-huh. uh 
probably one of the best songs of the entire 90s came from kiss this from a rose ah oh, seal ah oh, kiss from a rose ah oh. rose on the grave I want to listen to it now. Um, okay. Anyway, where's yes. Scott? We it, need him, <laughs> right? <laughs> Watching Book of Boba Fett, probably. Yeah, um, it should be. It yes, that yeah. that song is so good. Like it's just oh, so good. Also, third favorite Batmobile. Third favorite. Oh, first third favorite's eighty nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's second favorite? You'll find out. Okay. Uh, are we ready to move on? Anything else you want to say about Batman Forever? Um, we like it. Underrated. Go get another shot. Go, just give it a chance. Watch it again. It's um, worth it. So, Rotten Tomatoes, um, critic score of thirty-eight. Oof. User Oof. score of thirty-two, which Oof. I do not understand. Um, however. Box office three hundred and thirty six million worldwide. Uh, hey, just, just you again, made more than returns. Yeah, uh, returns only brought in two hundred and sixty six. So it did exactly what Warner Brothers wanted. It made more money than the last one, and it made a franchise more safe for kids and more toyetic. Because not only do we get Batman in multiple costumes and multiple villains, <coughs> you get a whole new Batmobile, you get a whole new Batwing, you get a Batboat. Boom! This movie's got Toyetic written all over it. And then the wheels fall off. Oof. Um, Joel Schumacher lost his damn mind. All right. Anyway, only, sorry. only two years <laughs> after the previous film, and, and this is something that even uh, Chris O'Donnell himself has said, uh, I think one of the many problems with Batman and Robin was they rushed it right into production. Um to keep it in perspective, the movie was released in 1997. That means it was shot in 1996, which means there was less than a year turnaround between finishing Batman Forever and starting Batman and Robin. Um, and a lot of people say, well, you got to strike while the iron is hot. And I think Chris O'Donnell, there was an interview where he talked about this. He's like, I think you have to give these, these movies, are Batman movies are like James Bond movies. You have to give them time to breathe. You've got to give, you, know, you, you can't keep that uh, um, that hype running for forever. You have to let them come out and then kind of die off and then build back up again. And because what was it? It was because it was what four years between Batman and Batman Returns, uh, or three years, three eighty nine to ninety two, yeah, and then eight ninety two to ninety five, yeah, three years, yep, and so and they cut it short with this one. Yeah, they cranked it right out. Um, there are many problems we can get into to Batman and Robin, but Batman and Robin is where uh, I feel like Joel Schumacher was just done trying to fight studio notes. And it was just like, all right, fuck it. Whatever you guys want to put in this movie, how many toys can we cram in? How many costume changes can we cram in? Whatever. Um, this movie is a, big budget movie version of the 1966 Adam West TV show. It is cheesy as hell. It is corny to the max. Um, It is overstuffed with villains and characters. Uh, You've got Batman 
still ostensibly your hero. You've got Robin, who's going through a bit of an identity crisis, and they start to dip into the Nightwing storyline a bit, which is a cool storyline to get into uh, of him wanting to kind of be his own hero and get out of Batman's shadow, maybe a little early, considering we only introduced Robin one movie earlier, but okay, cool storyline to go into. And they redesigned his costume to look, it's basically it's Nightwing with a cape is what his costume is in this movie. Um, I wish they just would taken the cape off altogether and gone full nightwing but then on top of that you get batgirl yay it's completely redesigned in this movie uh you've got a storyline about alfred dying then you've got poison ivy who has bane as her henchman then you've got mr freeze um there's no way one movie can support this many storylines uh also isn't it yes i i feel like i read this or heard this somewhere that Arnold Schwarzenegger was the only person that could fit in the suit and carry all of the weight of the suit. And that's why he was in it. It was like a 95 pound aluminum suit. Uh, So I I don't doubt that. Uh, I think it was also, this is 97 is like the height of the movie star movie system. And what I mean by that is like back in like the thirties and forties, you hear about the studio system where the studios ran the business. And if you were an actor, you were contracted to a studio and the studio would movies. You were going to be look was going to be who you were going to date. Like the studios ran everything by the nineties. It's all about movie stars. They go to different companies and work on different projects, but what sells a movie is names on a poster. How many yep. big names can we put on a poster? And this movie has a lot of names on that poster. George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Uma Thurman. Like, it is all about how many names can we plaster on a poster. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it and throw it out there. George Clooney, my least favorite Batman. Agreed. Just uh, talk about someone who did not understand the assignment. Miscast, misused. Again, not he was a name. Right. He yep. was he was red hot at the time, coming off of ER, transitioning into movies. Uh, it, it, wrong for this role. George Clooney is a great actor. Time has proven that, but just so wrong for this role. Yes, like you look at all the other stuff that he's done all the really super dramatic roles and like the sort of like dark comedy stuff that he does. Like he can even pull off action stuff, but yes, he can, but this is not his cup of tea. Yeah, no, not at all. Don't sip Um, from that cup, George. Don't do it. We're we're not going to sit here and, and go through all the reasons this movie failed. I will say it's not my favorite Batman movie. It's not my least favorite Batman movie. Uh, there's oh. a couple Batman movies I would watch this over all day. In fact, I'll go ahead and say it right now. Spoiler for what's coming in the show. I would rather watch Batman and Robin for 24 hours on a loop with my eyes pried open than ever watch Dark Knight Rises again. We'll get to that. Oh, wow. We'll get to that. Uh, but uh. look, Batman and Robin, not great. But Batman is a character who has been around for a very, very long time. We're talking 80-some years. Through that time, Batman has been very reinvented throughout the ages. That's why he's he's been around so long. Batman is a character who can be a kid's cartoon show and also be an adult's 18-plus comic book and have movie series. He's a very malleable character. You can tone him down. You can crank him up. He, he, he's a character you can kind of... He changes over time. This... Yeah. 
particular iteration of Batman harkens back to the 66 cheesy um, um, TV show. That's maybe not your favorite version of Batman. But if I'm a parent and I have a kid and they want to watch a Batman cartoon or a Batman movie, I'm putting on Batman and Robin. It's colorful. (laughs) It has lots of movement. It has uh, nothing that I'm worried. There's there's no sex or violence or gore. I'm not worried about, again, you know, Penguin making sexual innuendos and biting noses off people or uh, Catwoman in that tight suit giving them funny feelings. Because even though we get Poison Ivy, whose whole thing is she's like a seductress, it is the tamest Poison Ivy ever. Uh, (laughs) Poor Uma Thurman. Um, Here's here's my one hang-up. What okay. this is like one thing I will never be able to move past. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, it's two things, but I'm gonna lump them together. All right. The bat nipples. <laughs> yeah. And the cut scene where they're suiting up, right? Uh-huh. Where Batman, Robin, and Batgirl are suiting up. Yep. And we're doing like money shots of like. The gauntlets come on. The mask goes on. Let's show Alicia Silverstone's breasts. Let's show George Clooney's ass. Oh, here's a picture of Chris O'Donnell's junk. Like, what are those shots? What are you doing? Sir, sir, I find that refreshingly woke that we give just as much screen time to Chris O'Donnell's crotch and George Clooney's butt (laughs) As we do Alicia Silverstone's. And by that, we don't mean actual nudity. We mean the suit. But they are very tight, anatomically correct suits. <laughs> There's no actual nudity. But I find it refreshing that we give just as much time to the boys' naughty parts as we do the girls' naughty parts. That's okay. All right. Yes. Sure. But do you need it? Do you need that? Like, no, do oh, need we don't that? need any of that. No. I mean, it, it is the height of excess. Uh, and and you know, I've heard justification for the nipples on the bat suits being we wanted to show the suits more of like the, the perfect anatomy of a God kind of thing. And I don't think that concept works. And I think history has proven that concept doesn't quite work. You got, you got to tone it back a little bit. Um, but again, I, I, I don't, I don't, they're weird, what? but hey. they're not my biggest hang up. Hey, um, why, why didn't Alicia Silverstone's bat suit have nipples? Huh? huh? Uh, I think, you know why? Uh, anyway, <laughs> so again not the greatest batman movie but i would argue far far from the worst batman movie because at the end of the day it still gives you a batman adventure uh with cool gadgets and vehicles and cars and multiple costume changes and uh the thing that as a kid in 97 i bought the toys i had fun with it um however Time did not uh, two hundred and thirty eight million dollars worldwide. So at that point, we were talking lowest gross for a Batman movie yet. Rotten Tomatoes. Critic score. Well, so OK, so remember Batman Forever was a thirty eight, thirty two. Yeah. And we were like, wow, that seems really low. This movie definitely needs to see people need to give this another shot. Batman and Robin has a 12% critic score. Ooh, not less than 10. 16% (laughs) user score. So just when you thought, wow, that's pretty low for Batman Forever. Don't wait. It can get lower. (laughs) 
Take um, two and call me in the morning. But uh, this is when I'm <laughs> going to go back to the beginning of the show, when I talked about the things you have to stick to for a successful comic book movie, which are take the subject matter serious, give it the budget to pull it off. Now, there's no arguing these movies, Batman Forever and Batman Robin, definitely had budget. There is money on screen. There are giant CGI statues uh, big enough to have a car chase on in Batman and Robin. They yes. were not lacking for budget. But were they taking the subject matter seriously? I think I think you can be the judge of that. So, as George Clooney stated on, I think it was uh, Jay Leno, um, somebody he was on one of those talk shows, and there was a story about Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the host asked, "Hey, do you know Arnold?" And George Clooney, uh, which is great, I love this his his the fact that he could uh, step aside from his own ego to make this comment. Uh, he goes, "Oh yeah, me and Arnold killed the Batman franchise together." <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> But, but John, they revived it. Yes, and we're getting to that. Uh, because uh, we wait almost 10 years. 2005, the dawn of the Chris Nolan trilogy. We Ooh. got Batman Begins. Fucking love it. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm not, I'm not that's fine. I just didn't know if you had anything else to say besides you love it. I mean, I didn't know if you want to follow up on that or if that's okay. What you say. No, no, I do. I didn't know if you were going to keep saying something. Uh, so let you go. No, here's the thing is like, yeah, the last it's like when you eat something terrible, the last taste of that thing is still in your mouth. And then somebody offers you this delicious new morsel and you take a bite and you go, oh, my God, that's so much better. Is it that much better? Not necessarily, but it is so much better than the last thing you tasted. Uh, And I love this movie. Did I need the origin of Batman again? No. Did I get sort of a different telling of the origin yes uh according to i think you said this the the origin of batman and batman begins is much closer to the comic book origin is that right with the yeah well so um and this is the thing the thing i want to drive home about this movie is batman begins is what i call the nuts and bolts batman origin we all know that his his parents, the, we all know the broad strokes. His parents were murdered, and he dedicated his life to ensuring that would never happen to somebody else. Okay, cool, fine. That's a fun little log line for a character. But if you actually sit down and think about, okay, his parents are murdered, and then he grows up and dresses like a bat and fights crime. Well, hold on now. You've done A and C. Where's you're missing B? Some stuff in the, you're missing <laughs> some stuff in the middle there. Uh, And that's what Batman Begins is. It was a character study of what drives someone to become Batman. And this movie focuses much more on the nuts and bolts. Uh, To steal a line from Nicholson, it answers the question, where does he get those wonderful toys? Because this movie is about where did the cave come from? Where did the Batmobile come from? Where did he get the suit? Why does he have the grappling hook? Why is he wearing a cape? Uh, And part of that comes from this movie and the next one especially is the perfect synergy between director Chris Nolan and writer David S. Goyer. 
And those two are a perfect pair to work together because David Goyer is a total comic book nerd. If the name sounds kind of familiar, David Goyer is the guy who wrote the screenplay for Blade and Blade 2. He reinvented that character. Yeah, he is a guy who knows and loves this character as a comic book nerd. Chris Nolan does not. He's not a comic book fan. Admittedly, not a big comic book guy. But the character of Batman transcends comics. It's a pop culture character. He knew enough about the character from pop culture. He was intrigued about the finer points of Batman. And the two of them together work perfectly. Because David Goyer would say something like, well, it's Batman. He has to have a cape. And Chris Nolan would say, yeah, yeah, but why? Bats don't wear capes. Why does he have to have a cape? What's the point of the cape? So... Nolan forces Goyer to justify some of the more outlandish things about Batman because the whole idea was to make this a grounded, realistic Batman. If if we're at the heights of excess with Batman and Robin, where Batman has every conceivable gadget ever thought of by anyone, the bat pocket laser and the bat sky hoverboard and the whatever, this is straight back down to street level where did it come from? Why does he have everything? It was a grounded re- it was, it was, If Batman existed in the world we live in today, what would he look like? So Nolan is the guy who, that's his vision, and Goyer's the guy who's there for the comic book nerds to say, well, he's got to have, you know, Scarecrow has to have a mask. Well, why does he have to have a mask? Well, because it's he has one in the comics. Okay, but I don't care about that. Why does he have a mask in this? Okay, well, he goes around exposing people to fear toxins. So his scarecrow mask is a gas mask, too. It's what keeps him from getting exposed to his own gas. Oh, okay. That makes sense. The uh, two of them worked perfectly for that. Sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. It's a bit of John, a when, yes. when, when you started talking about toys uh-huh. and... and then I just started started thinking about Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. <laughs> yeah. And and only one thing came to mind because I think you and I have the same thing in mind when when I say this line. Yeah. Oh, the tumbler? I don't think you'd be interested in the tumbler. <laughs> John, I'm interested. I'm interested in the tumbler. Do you want to talk about the tumbler, Jay? As soon as it made its appearance on screen, I was like, I fucking want one. Where where can I get one? Please, please give me one. Does it work? Does it drive? Is that a real existing vehicle? Because if it is, I would, if I had the funds, I would get one of my own. That thing well, it's, is, it's, it's bad. real in that they did build one. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, um, yeah. Every, okay. Okay, don't hate me with okay. all due respect. To okay. the 1989 Batmobile. Okay. I love the Tumblr. The Tumblr is my favorite. I hate the Tumblr. Because the the Tumblr, the Tumblr for me is me. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. It's a stealth tank. And that is very J. <laughs> it's, it is. Like, imagine that conversation with me and somebody creating it. Okay, here's what yeah. I want. I want a tank. I want giant guns, and I want it to jump from rooftop to rooftop, and I want it to be able to like crash through brick walls and not get affected. Okay, but Jay, it's supposed to be the Batmobile. Okay, so fine. Make it paint sneaky. it black. Yeah, make it sneaky. It's fine. Make it sneaky. Make a it stealth be, tank. Yeah, yeah. It make be a stealth. stealth. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Just put make some. Make it so when I turn off the headlights, no one can see it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Just just here's some angled angled deflection on it. Nobody can pick it up on radar. It'll be fine. <laughs> here's why I hate the tumbler. Okay. It's called the tumbler. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no. Batman didn't just go out and get a car and paint it black and call it a day. That's what he does in Batman Begins. He drives the tumbler. He looks at Lucius and goes, does it come a line for the trailer? And then that's all he does to it. That's not the Batmobile. That's the tumbler painted black. If you need more evidence for why it's stupid, see Batman or Dark Knight Rises when we have like a legion of tumblers driving the streets. Okay, that's they were fair. Apparently, still in the the Wayne uh, uh, applied sciences, just sitting there parked, not doing anything. Um, no, I, the tumbler. Oh, look, it's a cool vehicle, and the fact that they built it to do a lot of that stuff practically is awesome. But the concept of <clears throat> it was an experimental military vehicle uh, didn't get put into production. Using that as a basis to build the Batmobile on, sure. But just painting it black and calling it the Batmobile? No. Okay. All right. I'm going to make a counter argument. Okay. To be fair to the Tumblr. To be fair. To be fair. It falls in line with the rest of the things that the Christopher Nolan version of Batman was doing. Yes. Okay. The armor. He didn't make, like... it's right. The yeah, cape it's all was like yeah. for the military. Yeah. So for me, the tumbler, like the tumbler, falls in line with this version of Batman. Good. I'm not arguing that. You are 100% correct. I'm just saying I don't like the... If you're looking at just Batmobiles, I'm not a huge fan of the Tumblr because of that. If they Again, if they would have taken that as a basis and built on top of that like I was expecting them to do for the next movie, uh, I've been fine with it, but we don't. Uh, but nonetheless, Batman Begins was a great Batman movie. And like you said, it washed that taste of Batman and Robin out of our mouths. It gave us a much more comic book accurate <clears throat> Batman movie. Let's see it, the numbers. It it yeah, uh it scratched that itch. Uh so three hundred and seventy-three million dollars worldwide makes it the second highest grossing Batman movie at not that bad, time. Not bad. Uh Rotten Tomatoes critic score eighty-four. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Fan score ninety-four. Now, John. Yes. I have a very important question. Okay. It's a Christopher Nolan trilogy. Yep. How in the world do you top the dark or the Batman begins? You you top it with the dark Knight, Jay. Well, okay. All right. How are you going to do that though? What are you going to do to top it? Well, Jay. So if this movie is all about, like I said, the nuts and bolts origin of Batman, where does he get his, basically where does the MO of Batman come from? Cool. The second movie is about, the psychology needed to become Batman. And if you're going to tempt the psychology or test the psychology uh, and the, the psychological fortitude of Batman and really put his, his, his one rule, his moral code to the test, you bring in the Joker. Ooh. But wait, we already had the Joker in 1989. We had a really great version of a gangster joker but in the comics see the joker is not so much just a gangster with some face paint 
He is anarchy incarnate. He's a man who just wants to watch the world burn. And, and okay, all right, fine. Who are you going to get to play him? Heath fucking Ledger. Yeah, wait, that guy from... That's the real middle name, yep. From the Patriot, that, 10 Things I Hate About You. The guy from the Patriot, 10 yeah. Things I Hate About You, that guy. He's pretty dreamy with that long hair. He can't hair. do it. He can't. Well, he won an Oscar for it, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not gonna lie, this movie, like, made me shit my metaphorical pants. It made everyone, James. Uh, I would never, ever, in any lifetime fathom the fact that Heath Ledger would put a joke on par if not better than Jack Nicholson just gonna say that well you also have to remember this was 2008 at this point we hadn't had an on-screen Joker since 89 yeah and and so f- people were very ready, and wisely so. Batman Begins did not bring Joker into it because uh, that it was it, the focus on that was about Batman. The villains were almost secondary, which I would argue they should have been. It was it was Bruce's story about becoming Batman. So this movie, and we got that awesome cool little you know teaser at the end of Batman Begins, but in this one, the nuts and bolts are out of the way. We understand why he decided to be Batman. We understand where he gets all his toys from. This is all about, okay, you've built a Batman. Now stress test it. And you stress test a Batman by throwing the Joker at him. Because as this movie points out, it is the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. And that's all this movie is about. Um, and, And like you said, I never would have guessed Heath Ledger would have nailed this role so well. But first of all, it's written beautifully. They fully understand that Joker is just chaos incarnate. There is no rhyme or reason to his madness. His reasons are his own. His, his, his motivations are his own. You can't tie him down. Uh, What I loved about this and and I'll say, so watching the movie, he, he the first time you hear him, hear him give the do you want to know how I got these scars story and he starts telling us the story and I'm like really they're giving us a Joker origin and they're not even showing it to us they're just telling us it wow that's stupid and then a few minutes later another scene want to know how I got these scars and he starts telling a completely different story I'm like oh oh I like this. He's just making this shit up to whoever he's talking to. And and that's the beauty. Joker in this movie shows up fully formed as the Joker. Yep. There's no dropping into the vat of Axis chemicals. Uh, there's no who he is beforehand. He is just the Joker. We don't know his real name. We don't know where he came from. We don't really know what the hell he wants. I mean, ostensibly, the mob hires him to kill Batman, but he gets bored with that pretty quick. Um, he just shows up fully formed. And as if you're looking at the movie through Batman's eyes, that's so beautiful because Joker is the enigma that Batman will never solve. He still doesn't know who Joker really is and never will. And this movie nails that. Yeah. Um, 
Got no, it's fine. No, it's fine. It is. It's a great Joker. He like the character is awesome. The the whole chemistry between the two of them, the sort of dichotomy of the Joker versus the Batman. Uh everything. Everything is perfect in this movie. That's why it's that is why so many people will say the Dark Knight is probably one of the best Batman movies ever made. And they would be a hundred percent right. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's there's so many great lines in this movie. And, and again, it's it's someone who fully understands why these characters are so popular and beloved in the comic book form, putting that on screen. Um you know, the whole kill you, I don't want to kill you, you complete me thing. The yes. you know, it, it's 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 gorgeous. Um uh, but what what sticks this movie for me what 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 raises the bar on this is so again the first one is about the nuts and bolts this one is about it, it's still i think batman begins and dark knight are really one giant movie telling the origin of batman because the first one we get again the nuts and bolts where do the toys come from where does the modus operandi come from this one is it's bruce because up until this movie up until a certain point in this movie this bruce wayne thinks at some point, he's going to be done being Batman. That Batman is the means to an end. Batman is a means to cleaning up Gotham and fixing the city. And someday he'll hang up the cape and the cowl and be done being Batman and go back to living a normal life. And it's Joker in this movie that teaches him. And there's a great line right after spoiler for a movie that's like 20 years old at this point. Uh, not 20, whatever. Um after Rachel dies, he's sitting in his apartment with the bat suit half on, half off. The cowl is in his lap. So it's Bruce looking at the face of Batman. And he says to Alfred, I understand now what I have to become to stop men like this. And that for me is the moment this movie nails the character of Batman better than anyone else ever has. Because that's the moment where he realizes if I'm going to be Batman, this doesn't end. This yep. doesn't stop. There's no happy ending to this. In order to fight this kind of madness, I have to be 100% committed to the Batman. There is no more Bruce Wayne after this. It is just Batman. It is just this crusade. Um. Also, I just want to throw this out there because I was thinking right. about it. Yes. It has probably one of the best openings to a movie, not just a comic book movie, but to any movie ever. Oh, yeah. Where you just get immediately plunged into action and stuff going on, and you're like, what is going on? And it's just clever, the way that it's all set up, the way everything plays out. And then the introduction of the Joker. Yes. It's a beautiful, like, James Bond-esque opening action scene where it just kind of throws you into a situation. And then it ends up being this beautiful character reveal. Yes. Yeah. Fantastically yes. done. Uh, I love Dark Knight. I, I, I enjoyed Batman Begins. I love the Dark Knight. Uh, there's only like, God, it's so good. But there's only a few parts that make me kind of cringe. Um, And that's kind of like this. It, I understand it for the story, but like the stuff with Harvey Dent, like towards the end. I really, really wish they would have saved Harvey Dent for the third movie. Yes. Instead of trying to, because, well, let me buy this up. Harvey Dent in this movie is great. 
where yeah. the flub is trying to force him into Two Face within this movie. Yes, like he he should have we, just been in the hospital and saved Two Face for the next movie because that would have been better than what we got. But uh, yeah, yeah, you have Harvey Dent and you have him heading towards Two Face, and I think a showdown with Joker at the end would have been a great place to end this movie. Especially this movie is like two and a half hours. You couldn't cut um, all the stuff with you know Harvey. What I mean? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Jay? Jay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, you cut out. Oh. No, I was just saying that you could have, um, like you said, you could just cut out all the stuff with Harvey and you could have ended the movie with the showdown with the Joker. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, the movie's long enough already. You could have just cut out that, and it still would have been a two-hour or something movie, um, and, and it would have been fine. But they didn't. No, no, they tried to cram it all in. You, you, you did. You, uh, Batman Returns did, is what you did. You tried to cram too many villains into yeah. your movie. Yeah, you did. It, yeah, uh, and and obviously with hindsight. The passing of Heath Ledger really yes. affected this this franchise going forward. This was not, and, and again, watching this movie, one of the things I loved about it is they don't kill the Joker off because uh, that's that's one of the things I think they kind of mistakes they made in in the '89 film. And this is a, a common mistake from early superhero films: uh, is you kill off your lead villain. The reason comic books don't tend to kill off a villain is because if you get a really fun villain, you want to bring them back. That's why fucking Loki keeps coming back um, in the Marvel shit, because he's just a fun character and we want to spend more time with him. This movie very, very wisely built a story around, will Batman kill him? Is he going to kill him? Will he break his one rule? Because it's the Joker. And, and no, no, he doesn't. Uh, he, he he apprehends him. And it was clearly meant that Joker would come back. Maybe not as, as the lead villain, but the character would continue on. And, and that kind of skewed things. And, and again, in hindsight, I'm sure they would have loved to have gone back and saved Harvey for the third film, but it didn't. Um, but this film ends on one of the best codas ever, which is uh, uh, Batman taking the blame for the death of Harvey. So the, the, the world at large won't know what Harvey was reduced to. Uh, you know, he's he's a big enough hero that he says, you know, all right, I'll be the villain. Put the blame on me. And and uh, Gordon's kid asks him, you know, why is everyone mad at Batman? He's the hero. And he says, because he's the hero Gotham needs, but not the or sorry, hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him because he can take it because he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. A dark. Boom. Ooh. God, I get goosebumps just hearing that. It was such a great way to end that movie on. But yeah, I love Dark Knight, man. It's got some goofy shit. And like I said, like I said earlier, it's got Batman monologuing in the dumb, uh, uh, um, where were the other drugs going? You know, that voice, uh, which is fine for a <laughs> sentence or two. But when he gets back big lines of dialogue, it's just like, wow. It, it, you, know, you can tell the suit is pinching his nose closed, but you're like, okay, why didn't you re record that then? Why is he? Um, and if he did record it, why is he still pinching his nose? Like, it, yeah, it's weird. Also, uh, I just going to throw this out there. Um, sometime look up. I think it's on College Humor or something like that. Uh, Batman testing voices. Yes. Uh, 
Hilarious video. Where are the other drugs going? Was that walking? <laughs> wow, why uh, is that so? I thought I did a really high pitched, like a bat, like echolocation. Where were the other drugs? Did that, did that work? No? No. Where were the other drugs going? Wait, wait, that's good. What? what that? Do really that. that? Do that again. Well, my voice is just hoarse from trying other other voices. No, no, it's really good. Really? I swear. Swear to me. <laughs> sorry. I, yeah. yeah. No, it's fine, dude. Okay. Uh, so we follow that up. Uh, sorry. Uh, Rotten Tomato score, 94 for both Ooh. critics and users. 1.005 billion dollars with a B. Highest grossing First, Batman film? Uh, to that time. Ooh. Uh, first movie to cross the billion dollar mark for the Batman franchise. And yes, at the time in 2008, 2009, it was the highest grossing film in the franchise. Um, so, yeah. Where do you go from there, Jay? Uh, you can only go up, right? I mean, well, it's it's titled The Dark Knight Rises, so it has to rise above it well, I, mean, I mean okay let's get you, to it you certainly wouldn't you certainly wouldn't like try to pass the mantle to a guy named dick grayson that that is a cop for for gotham that is supposed to be robin no, 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 no. Into Batman. His, his name's not dick grayson his name oh. is robin oh oh that's right yeah sorry yeah. uh yeah. and he certainly wouldn't set his like batwing thing to autopilot to 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 blow up a bomb and then retire to like Milan with with Catwoman. Uh, so That's not... Back it up a little bit. <laughs> we follow up the Dark Knight with the Dark Knight Rises in 2012. Arguably, we didn't really need a third movie because, again, Batman Begins and Dark Knight were the perfect combination origin for Batman. But yes. when you when your movie makes a billion dollars, Warner Brothers wants more. And at this point, Chris Nolan was on fucking fire. Uh, so Warner Brothers were basically like, dude, please make a third Batman movie. Here's a blank check. Just do whatever you want. Get us a third Batman movie. So the movie already takes place like five years after Dark Knight. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole goddamn movie, but... Everything about this movie is wrong. You you mean you don't like your character sounding like this the entire time trying to get dialogue out? Look, Chris Nolan has a weird fetish about Tom Hardy having his face covered because every movie they're in, he covers his face up somehow. I don't get it. It's weird. Um, so you know how I say with Batman Begins, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer were the perfect team to write that together. Yes. Guess who doesn't have a writing credit on Dark Knight Rises? David Goyer. Hey, you got it in one. Uh, yeah, this is all Chris Nolan and and every fiber of my comic book loving uh, being is just screaming, wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, this movie, for me, ruined everything the first two movies set up. Um Batman quits at the end of this movie. Fuck you. Batman doesn't quit. That's his one superpower and and money. 
uh, Batman never quits. No matter how hard you hit him or knock him down, Batman gets back up. Batman never quits. We spent the whole last movie with Bruce Wayne realizing that committing to Batman means committing to Batman for life. And then in this one, he quits. Bane in this movie is not Bane. It's fucking Ubu. You don't know who Ubu is? Read a comic book. He's the Ra's al Ghul family bodyguard. Because that's not Bane. What is Bane? Jason, you read the comics. You've seen some stuff. What does Bane do? What's his superpower? Uh, what? He, yeah. um, he's, Venom? he's, he's super, he, super strength. Yeah. He, he hits, he's got a, the super steroid called Venom with the tube in the back of his head and he hits the button and it shoots yeah. it up into his veins and he gets all like, boom, like Hulk style. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not some guy with a weird fucking rebreather mask on. It, it's not. Yeah, no. Who, who? Oh, he's the, he's the mastermind the whole time. He's the guy who broke the Batman, and then in the end of the movie, reveal a little. No, no, he wasn't. He's just working for Talia Al Ghul the whole time. Wait, Talia oh, Al did Ghul? You for, did you forget Talia Al Ghul was in this movie? It's okay because she dies five minutes after they reveal she's Talia Al Ghul. Oh, that's how much of an impact her being Talia Al Ghul has in this whole fucking wait, movie. Wait a minute, Ra's Al Ghul's daughter, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she's got to think- get a lot of screen time as Ra's Al Ghul's daughter. She gets some screen time as the chick who bangs Bruce Wayne. Uh, uh, and then oh. she shows up again to reveal surprise on Talia Al Ghul. And then she dies uh, in a truck crash. That, well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wait, doesn't already... she get shot? I thought she crashed in a truck. It doesn't thought, matter. Who, Fuck or is stupid. it Bane that, who's the one that Selena Kyle shoots with the. She shoots Bane. Cat? Oh, okay. I don't know. It's uh, been so long since I've seen that movie. By the way. Yeah. Selena Kyle. I look Cat Anne Hathaway because Anne she's Hathaway's, a cat burglar. Anne Hathaway's Catwoman is one of the saving graces of this film. Yeah. I think she nailed the character. I think she did a great job of because Catwoman is not a good guy or a bad guy. She is on her own side. And they did that very well in this movie. She's teaming up with Batman when it serves her needs to team up with Batman, and she teams up with Bane when it serves her needs to team up with Bane. Very well done in that regard. Uh, and then, yeah, you already brought it up, but the whole fucking Robin thing at the end. Fuck you, Chris Nolan. Fuck you. you for People kept asking, oh, will you do Robin? Will you do Robin? And he kept saying, no, I don't. The Robin is a little too out there for my comic, for a little too out there and comic booky for the movies we're doing where they're kind of uh, based in reality. If this Batman suddenly had a 12 year old with a cape, uh, jumping off rooftops, people would, you know, turn against him and have him committed. And okay, fine. Cool. We get it. You, you're not going to do Robin. We understand. We're fine. We'll move on. It's, it's okay. <clears throat> so then to think you're doing fans a favor by throwing this random character in who, who can't even win a firefight on his own, who gets his ass kicked every time he gets into a fight, who figures out Batman is Bruce Wayne because he met her once at the orphanage. Oh, uh, look under my real name, Robin. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, okay. I hate this movie. I hate this movie. I hate this movie. Uh, but apparently, I'm alone on that because uh, it made 1.081 billion dollars, uh, which makes it the highest-grossing Batman movie. Rotten Tomato critics gave it an 87. Users gave it a 90 percent. Look, here's what I'm gonna say. All right. Okay. Here's here's where I justify the money. 
not the movie. I'm not just me. I'm not oh, yeah, justifying yeah, yeah, yeah. this movie. This is the justification for the money. You had a shit ton of people go see Batman Begins. They all said, yeah. I loved it, right? So then their friends saw Batman Begins. Not in theaters, because the ones who saw it in theaters told their friends, and their friends waited, and then saw it eventually. Then they said, there's another one coming out. So everybody flocked to go see The Dark Knight, right? Yep, yep. And we know how awesome that was. Mm-hmm. So this was, hey, they're making a third one. Oh, shit, we need to go see it. This is like um, Star Wars Episode One esque type thing where you just have a flock of people going to see it. I bet of that billion dollars, there wasn't a single ticket that was a repeat viewing. Uh, you'd probably lose that bet because the movie has its fans. But I, okay, I get yeah, what you're, you're going. Right. <laughs> I agree fully. Yes. Yeah, movies, when you get into franchises, it always does as well as the previous one would it allow it to. And yes, based on the first two movies, you would be fully justified uh, with cool expectations for Dark Knight Rises. I was one of those guys. I could not wait to see them complete this trilogy. I was so excited. And then I got the movie and I walked out of that theater and I was just like, what the fuck was that? Like, how do you so thoroughly? Because again, the first two movies, it's like, wow, you guys get this character. This is so well written. This is so good. And then the third one, it's like, y'all forgot a lot of shit. Like from your own movies, y'all forgot a lot of shit. Um, Um, Yeah. I will say, I will say one thing. okay? Okay. Okay. And, and 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 don't hate me for enjoying something about this movie, okay? But the opening, the sequence with Bane, with the two airplanes done practically, that's insane. Yeah, Chris Nolan should have made a James Bond movie years ago because he keeps filming, he keeps out James Bonding James Bond movies. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a that is an amazing opening sequence. That's a great action sequence. It has fuck all to do with Batman, but it's a great action sequence. Yes. Um. Yeah. No. I look. I. I hate Dark Knight Rises. I hate this movie. What uh, happens if I take the mask off? It would be very. The only good thing to come of this was a, <laughs> the, the great parody of that character on South Park. Well, hello, Mister UPS man. Yeah, um, no, hate this movie. Hate this movie with a passion. Uh, call it a hot take. Uh, if you're sitting there saying, "What this movie's awesome," go watch it again. Um, but fast forward four fast years. Fast forwarding four fast years. Fast forward. So uh, the Dark Knight Rises, the the, the trilogy. Uh, um, it did well financially. Warner Brothers was happy with it. Uh, they take that direction of what if blank character existed in our world. They apply it to Superman. We get the Man of Steel, um, which we're not going to dive into, but it did fairly well at the box office. It relaunched Superman better than Superman Returns did. Um, so now Warner Brothers has a, a Superman character that that people seem to like. And we want to get into the franchise business because Marvel's making money hand over fist. We want to do that. <clears throat> so. You take Man of Steel 2, <clears throat> you hijack it, and you turn it into Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice. Apparently it's a legal case. Batman v Superman. Not a versus. Batman v Superman. Um, the movie has its issues. 
certainly has a lot of issues. I personally have a lot of issues uh, with the way they handle Superman in this movie and the way they handle Batman in this movie. Uh, but it gave us a brand new cinematic Batman in Batfleck. Sorry, I mean Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, Why did you say that name? Why did you say the name Martha? They got around the voice thing. <laughs> they just put a voice modulator on Ben Affleck, and it makes a lot more sense. He's not doing the gravelly voice. Uh, they learned their lesson from Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. I'll give him that. Um, Zack okay. Snyder is clearly in love with the uh, um, uh, Frank Miller version of Batman. Um, and And for all my qualms with this movie, I will give it credit. I thought Ben Affleck was fantastic. And the, I, I loved the idea of a Batman who had already been Batman for 20 some years, the grizzled veteran crime fighter. That was a cool, fresh new take on Batman. We weren't redoing the origins again. We we're doing the opposite. This is, this is a Batman who probably should have hung up the cape already, but he's still going. Um, I, I really do enjoy the Batman sequences in this movie. Like, if you just pulled out all the Batman parts of Batman versus Superman and then sort of cobbled some other parts together, you'd have a pretty serviceable Batman movie. Uh, definitely scene... better than Batman and Robin and probably better than uh, Dark Knight Rises. The scene where Batman goes in to save Martha and we finally get to see a... Zack Snyder directed Batman action sequence. Phenomenal. Uh, just the way he stages the attack, the way he sabotages their weapons, and the way they incorporate the gadgets into the fights, uh, the brutality of the fights. Uh, and I'm talking about the theatrical cut, not the extended cut, uh, because uh, no, Batman doesn't kill Shut Up. Um, it gets a little over the top when we get the... And again, I said he's in love with the Frank Miller version of the character because at one point in this fight scene, he busts through a wall like RoboCop and grabs an M60 out of some goon's hand and holds it one-handed, which is straight out of a Frank Miller comic. And it's fucking stupid. Uh, but up until that point, that scene was fantastic. And again, I really, really really liked the Ben Affleck interpretation of the character of a guy who's been there and done that and keep uh, kept going. Uh, the whole thing of like the Robin suit in the bat cave was awesome. Um, the line of uh, uh, 20 years in, in Gotham, how many good men are left? Uh, how many? It was so cool. It was different. It was new. I liked it. Uh, yeah. Like I said, that version of Batman, not bad. Well, and I think it's appropriately short, Batman, um, but you you got some, yeah, you 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 got some, um, you got a little too much Superman in my Batman movie, though. Uh, let's just uh, let's just make a Batman movie. Yeah, you're. We still haven't gotten our Man of Steel too, um, which frustrates me. But it, it, it I think it's, <clears throat> we never really got the chance to get to know this Batman character. Because uh, even though we plan to do a spinoff movie, The Batman, um, shit happens. And, yep. and long story short, 
Ben Affleck had a very t- short tenure in this role. Um, I'm going to gloss over um, Suicide Squad, where he has a glorified cameo, uh, and jump to Justice League 2017. Uh, let me back it up. Sorry, sorry. Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice, $873 million worldwide. So as far as Batman movies go, pretty good. Uh, for the first time seeing Batman and Superman on screen in the same movie, kind of disappointing. Yeah. You think that's an easy billion dollars, but uh, no. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 29% critics score, 63% uh, viewer score. Uh, shout out to, you know, the greatest Lex Luthor of all time, Jesse Eisenberg. Moving on. Uh, I don't know who he was trying to be, but it wasn't Lex Luthor. <laughs> See? Okay, now you Just thought I'd throw that out there. When they first... And I, I, man, I defended that casting. Because I was like, no, 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 you don't get it. So, like, the, the Gene Hackman interpretation of Lex Luthor was, like, the modern for the 70s, 80s version, where it's like, he's not so much a mad scientist as he is an evil businessman. So Lex Luthor in in the the late twentieth early twenty first century he would be evil Mark Zuckerberg he would be the the on this on the, uh, he he has one face he shows to the public which is like the young tech genius who look how amazing and smart and successful and wealthy and you know, genius he is and that's why he hates Superman is because he was the it. And then Superman came along, and everyone's like, "Yeah, no one cares about you anymore, Lex Luthor. We all like Superman. That's why he hates him." And so, like behind closed doors, he's like the evil mad scientist guy. Like I really thought this was genius casting. And then I watched the movie, and I was like, "No, this is just wow. What are you doing, Jesse Eisenberg? Stop making that man eat a Jolly Rancher. What are you doing?" <laughs> I was so wrong, so wrong. Yep. Uh, anyway, yeah. we got another chance. Uh, uh, so we get we get some glorified cameos in Suicide Squad, and then we're off to Justice League, which we could fill a whole episode on what the hell happened with that movie. Um, but it did not paint Batfleck in a very good light. Um, and part of that is because Batman v Superman did not paint the character in a very good light. It starts out cool. Uh, you see the, the uh, end of um, Man of Steel 2, where the city is being destroyed and you see um, very obviously evoking images of 9-11. You see buildings collapsing and, and like the fog and dust rushing in. And you see people running away from all the, the destruction and chaos. While Bruce Wayne, not Batman, Bruce Wayne runs into uh, the crisis to try to help people. That was a really cool character moment. And that was a really cool way to sort of build like, why is Batman mad at Superman? Well, here you go. Here's your reasoning. Um, started out interesting, but then you quickly devolve into apparently Batman's just an idiot. Uh, you get the line where he's like, uh, there's even a 1% chance that Superman could be evil. Then we have to take it as an absolute certainty and I have to kill him. And it's like, what? That's not how math works. I'm no mathematician, Jay, but is uh, a 1% chance a certainty, Jay? No, that's definitely not. You no, no. No, that's no, no. So Justice League is a lot of backpedaling. Um, 
of Batman feeling guilty for what he did and resurrecting Superman and then getting his ass kicked the whole movie. Um, apparently he can't fight with gadgets anymore. He just has to get alien guns to shoot people and he falls down a lot and he talks about being old and, and getting beat up a lot and it's uh, not a very good Batman. In this movie. Yeah, but he but he, he, he makes cheeky comments towards Aquaman and, and he throws a batarang at the Flash. He... He he's the glue that that holds the whole Justice League together he, until they get into a fight, and then he's pretty much useless. Yeah, <clears throat> and then we bring well, up the dumbest Batman vehicle, the Crawler. You forget about it already? Yeah, that's how dumb it was. I don't. Uh, what? Yeah. There's a mm-hmm. what? There was a Crawler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how stupid it was. You already forgot about it. There's an entire action sequence about the Crawler in the sewer. <laughs> you forgot about it already. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a pretty badass Batmobile. Um, uh, third or sorry, second uh, favorite Batmobile. Yeah. Uh, crawler. There's a crawler. Yep. Go look it up. You know what? I don't want yep. to. I think yeah, I saw I Justice League one time, yep. and that's yep. all I did. That was enough. It was enough for me. The character is a little better served in the Zack Snyder cut, which is a whole different uh, ball of yarn. Um, the one thing I'll say about this version of Batman is uh, we hardly knew ye. Uh, I would have the more I hear about what was planned for the Ben Affleck the Batman movie, the more excited I get, and the more pissed off I am that we never got to see it because apparently it was basically <clears throat> sorry Deathstroke and Batman going at it for two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know what? No, no. Yeah, no. You triggered it. You triggered it, John. You I triggered did. me. I did. You triggered me. You're gonna tease us. You're just a little dick. dick you little. You little. Hey, look at me in the credit scene. Deathstroke. Look at how badass I am. This is this is fucking awesome. You wish you wish I was in a movie, but guess what? I'm not. I'm not in the movie. I'm just a little tease. I'm just gonna tease you. And then you know what? We're gonna give Deadpool two movies. We're gonna give two of his own fucking movies. And and. Not Deathstroke, no. No, we're not going to give Deathstroke his own movie because he doesn't deserve one. Well, fuck you. He deserves one. Put him in a goddamn movie. Make one just about Deathstroke. You don't need Batman. Just Deathstroke. He can handle it. He can handle a movie. Damn it. Where's my Deathstroke, John? Where is it? He's in that really cool after credit sequence from Justice League. Shut up. That's, that's and, bullshit. Uh, Where's that's he it. at? Yeah. Where's, where's my movie? Where's my Deathstroke movie? <laughs> Huh? Where's my I'm Deathstroke sorry, origin movie? Huh? You know, I I think you might be more upset about that than um um Joe uh what's his name? That was that was Deathstroke? Yeah, and I can't think of his name now. Uh yeah. You might be more upset about him cuz he got royally screwed. Yeah. yeah. Imagine being told, "Hey, we want you to be Deathstroke. We're going to introduce you in Justice League and then we're going to spin you off into the next Batman movie." Where you'll be the lead villain, and then being told, "Yeah, yeah, we're not going to do any of that now." Sorry, <sighs> bastards. And then what do we get? What's the closest thing we get to Deathstroke in a movie? Is that damn Teen Titans movie? Like, yeah, we, we don't have to go there. I'm just gonna to go. flip a table. I'm gonna flip tables. I'm flipping tables. Hey, what hey, are we gonna do? Hey, I'm gonna flip hey, a table. Hey, you'll always have Arrow season two. I know. It's not the death stroke we need, but it's the one we deserve. Wait, it's the one. It's the one we. Wait, it's the one we deserve, but not the only one we got. 
It's the only the one, we've, one got. we've got. It's all we've got. We've got season two. Uh, so there uh, are your big eras in Batman cinema. You, you've got your your Burton Keaton, you've got your Schumacher, you got your Chris Nolan trilogy, and you got your DCEU, whatever the fuck that was. Um, and a bit of a mixed bag, man. Like I said, um, some great performances, some not so great performances, some movies that really get the characters, some that seem to not understand him at all. Some you run the gamut of of everything from like. Super grim, dark. Um, uh, Frank Miller holding M60s in one hand, Batman on one end, and your Batman and Robin uh, bright neon color butt shots in the other. Um, it's a lot. So take your take your pick. Choose yeah. your poison. It's all so, up to you. Where do we go from here? It'll be brief. Uh, but this year, 2022, <clears throat> is looking to be the year of the Batman. Starting up first, March 4th, <coughs> the Batman. Not, not, not the Batman we want with Batfleck and, and, and Deathstroke, but another movie that's called The Batman. With the Riddler again. Yes. Well, we haven't had a cinematic Riddler since Jim Carrey, so yep, yep, yep. I think it's a good sure. idea. Um, definitely a lot of room to reinterpret a character, especially in light of the Arkham games where Riddler is more of like a jigsaw-esque serial killer leaving booby traps than he is like the crazy puzzler guy. So <clears throat> I'm cool with that. Uh, we're getting a new Catwoman in the movie. We're getting <clears throat> a brand new Penguin, which is much more a comic book accurate where he's basically like a mob boss. Um, and we're getting a sparkly vampire as Batman. And a brand I, new Batmobile. I, I say that because I have to, but I, I really think Robert Pattinson looks great. Uh, the bat suit looks interesting. Uh, the cowl's a little weird, but I'll wait till I actually see it in the movie in action. Um, but I'm excited for the Batman. The more I see this movie, the more excited I get. I'm I'm excited for the Batmobile. <laughs> I hate that car. Why? It's not a Batmobile. That car belongs in the Fast and Furious movie. There's nothing about that car that makes me look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's the Batmobile. No, that's a jacked up street car. Which would be, if this is the, like, if this is an origin, like, beginning first year Batman type story, makes sense. It's a second year Batman, and we already showed that first year Batman, the Tumblr is cooler than this thing. Oh. You know my feelings about the Tumblr. Low blow. Well, it deserved it. This day again, haven't seen the movie. Maybe it's cooler in context, but right now, fucking hate that car. So much it's anger. A car, not a Batmobile. So much anger. Yeah. Uh, Just... My only concern about this movie is it looks very, very, very Chris Nolan Dark Knight trilogy esque. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, to a certain degree, you can't avoid that because it was so popular and, and went over so well with fans. You're going to repeat some of that. I'm really not excited that we're just going back to, oh, it's a young Batman just starting out. No, we've done that. We have done that. I have seen that. I don't care. The Ben Affleck thing where he's already been doing it for two decades, that sounds interesting. Where there's already years of backstory and characters we can draw upon and lore that... The, we can show to the audience that sounds cool 
rehashing origin stories I don't care about. So we'll see how they do. Those are my concerns, but on the whole, everything looks good. I'm excited for it. I I this is a movie that I would like to go see in theaters. I don't get to see many in theaters anymore, but I will definitely look to see if I can find this one. Well, strap in. Uh, the running time is <clears throat> two hours and 55 minutes. Jesus. So, yeah. Just be aware of that going into it. Yeah. Boy. I hope I hope they have a lot of story to tell because holy shit. But that brings us to November 4th, The Flash. Which... Might as well not be about the flash. No one I know because they're we're getting not one but two different, distinctly different incarnations of Batman. First, we are getting what is officially being billed as the Swan Song, the final appearance of Ben Affleck as Batman. I'm a little sad and bittersweet that he's leaving. I'm glad he's coming back and and, and getting one last shot at it. I still want that Batman movie so much. Okay. <clears throat> the real selling point for this movie, the real reason everyone I know is actually excited and buying tickets for this movie, Jay, Michael Keaton is back as Batman. Not just Batman, he's back as his 89 Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. Interested to see what they do with this, what they what their plan is, where they're going to go. 30 years since he put the cowl on last suiting up again. What are they going to do? How are they going to tie this in? That's what I want to know. Well, the Flash can time travel and the Flash, when he does, tends to screw up the timeline. And then he tries to fix the timeline. And because he always forgets that you can't ever fix a timeline. You can get close. You can never put it all back completely the way it was. So we're playing with the flashpoint paradox uh, where Flash goes back to fix something and ends up breaking stuff and then tries to fix that and ends up breaking it even further, uh, which is why we're getting multiple versions of Batman. But the question is going to be at the end of this, when Flash tries, you know, quote unquote, fixes the timeline. And we now, at the end of this movie, the DCEU timeline will have been fractured and pieced back together. What Batman will be the default Batman going forward? Good question. That is the question. So. Wow, that was a deep dive. That's where we've been. That's where (laughs) we're going. Normally, at this point in time, we would go into the what do we as fans want to see? But. As you can tell from looking at your clock already, this episode's going just near two hours already. So here's what we're going to do, kids. Just like the 66 Adam West show, this baby's a two-parter. Ooh, that's right. So that's where, yes, that is where we have been. What do we want to see? You'll have to tune in next week to find out. Same bat time, same bat channel. Till then, this has been your weekly nerd alert. Holy rusted metal, Jay. 